Welcome to Eco Living, a podcast about ways to reduce your impact on the earth, from cutting your greenhouse gas emissions to minimizing land and water use. I'm Adam Weiss. Eco Living is a co-production of Narara Eco Village and the Narara Eco Living Network, and is based at our demonstration eco village outside of Sydney, Australia. Today, I'm talking to Toby Roxborough, the Executive Director of Carbon Neutral Delivery Partners and the Canberra Chair of the Australian Institute of Energy. Toby helps businesses and communities switch to zero emissions technology, from renewable energy generation to carbon neutral transport to smart grids and microgrids. And he was one of the people involved in designing our own EcoVillage smart grid, the solar power production, and our new community battery. Welcome, Toby. Hello. Well, happy to be here. So you're here at the EcoVillage today from Canberra to celebrate the official launch of our community battery, which lets us store our solar power production to use at night or on rainy days like today. And I guess it makes sense to start there with our conversation. More and more people are installing batteries at home to store their solar power. So I think people are kind of familiar with the idea of a battery. But can you talk about what a community battery is and why it's useful? Yeah, okay. So a home battery is is just yourself. And when you're away from your home or things change during the day as you do things or you're away on holiday, you don't get the benefits of, of, of what you've got in your house. So community batteries is really bringing everyone together and saying, well, what do we need as, as that community, as a suburb? And, and how do we store the solar that we've got on our roof? How do we keep our energy prices low and, and be, be 100% renewable? Or in, in, in this eco-village sense, carbon positive. So the eco-village exports a lot more energy than it uses. And it supports the grid and makes sure that it's not using energy from the grid during those peak times. So it sounds like an advantage over your own battery would be that, as you said, when you're away and your house is generating lots of power that you're not using at all, your neighbor can use it. And if your neighbor can't use it, then in our case, we can store it in a battery and then somebody can use it at night. So it's the same benefit you might get from a battery in your own home, but you have the advantage of sharing with all your neighbors. Yeah, that's exactly right. We, we have a big electricity grid for Australia where everyone's connected. And that's the principle, and we've been running on it for 50, 60 plus years uh, in that connected sense, almost 100 years. But what it doesn't do is if there's a storm, and Newcastle had a storm a few years ago, and some areas didn't have power for two weeks. So it can't support at all times, whereas if you have something locally, you can support and operate as a community, and if there's a blackout, the community doesn't notice. And so you have those essential services and that energy and things continue to run even when big events happen. So that's where our microgrid or our smart grid comes into play that we have here at the village. So that's something that you always get with a battery or something that, that can go along with a battery or no battery. So can you explain a, a microgrid or a smart grid and how that interacts with a community battery? So a standard grid, a dumb grid is just very simple. You have a big coal power generator, Produces power and flows in one direction through the cable all the way through the street or the cables in the street and then into your home. So that's a single directional. It's very, very simple and it, the home is only ever a load um, and it doesn't need anything complex, nothing smart about it. That's, that was the old way of doing it. But now when we add solar to the home, then the home is a generator and then during the sunny periods, electricity is going through the wire the opposite direction. And a smart grid means that you can have power going two ways through a cable. So all it's doing is enabling 
the flexibility to use energy where you want to use it or make it where you want to use it and get it to use the network in a clever or smart way. That's all a smart grid is. That makes sense. And the battery, I suppose, is then local storage for that energy. I've heard lots of stories about concerns about when it's a really sunny day and everybody has solar panels, that area in the grid could be overloaded. Batteries, I assume, are a way to balance out that risk and, and have a benefit later. Yeah. So if you have a lot of energy in one location, you need to either move it somewhere, you may need to have more cables or bigger cables, or just use it locally. So it's cheaper to use the standard size cables. You have some local batteries. Well, we don't want to have our energy bills to double because we've just doubled all the, all the cables in our suburb and dug up all the roads. So now technology and costs mean that we can do stuff locally. We can get resilience and do it cheaper than the alternative. We don't want to actually generate it in Queensland, then put cables all the way through our home when we could just use it locally. Yeah, and our grid is extremely local. We're able to, to pull power off our own houses and have it go a few hundred meters to a battery and sit there and then get used when there's no sun or when there's a need for extra power. How big can a microgrid be? We have where we will have, when we're finished, about 100 houses on our microgrid. But can a microgrid have 1,000 or 10,000? Or at what point does it, does it not become a microgrid anymore and you need multiple microgrids? Um, I guess the grid is, is something that is almost infinite in terms of how big so the whole eastern seaboard of Australia is, is called the grid. So micro is smaller than that. So um, you actually find there's lots of, of different size grids. So you, even people call the house a nano grid. It's smaller, very tiny. You can, you've got your own sort of network within your home. So a micro grid, really like a, a suburb or a couple of suburbs, that, that could be a micro grid. So, so the difference between a smart grid, a smart grid typically is connected, always connected, and so it doesn't turn off and is always part of the grid. Whereas a microgrid is one that can, at times, disconnect from the grid and work on its own, its own autonomous unit. So you can have a, an industrial s suburb or an industry sort of user. So typically they'd be large users and they use a lot of energy. What's different about Narara Eco Village is it's a small grid. It is, it is more micro, <laughs> more small, and so 100 homes is it's a good size because you can you can relate to the community and you can work together as a community. Um, economically, you sort of need 300 homes. You sort of want a bigger suburb to do it from a financial point of view, but there's a social dynamic and then there's a technical dynamic which, you, which both come into play. So a microgrid can be quite variable in terms of what you define, but really it's a group that can be self-sufficient. And we've seen the benefits of that already here. We're generating net more power than we use in a year. And we've had a few instances where the power has gone out in our general area, but the lights stay on here at the Eco Village. So it sounds like this is something that can have, if you have enough houses, a real financial benefit, but also a resilience benefit that you are basically able to, with our microgrid, disconnect when it's necessary and otherwise connect to feed things back in. What are the other advantages of a microgrid or a smart grid? Uh, uh, well, I think you're bringing price. So the idea is to do things locally and so you don't have to spend a lot much money. Um, the resilience factor I think is huge, especially with climate changes, flooding and fires, it's get more thing. Um, 
where you've got long transmission lines that they can get affected by events and, and things. So actually doing things locally makes a lot of sense. So there's those two sort of come come together, that, that sort of the social resilience, people sort of aspect come together. And having solar and batteries means that it's a carbon neutral or in this case carbon positive because generating more than you actually use on an overall basis. So that is important because that's what we all need to be. We all need to be carbon neutral and we need to transition the whole grid to be the zero emission. So what Narara has shown over the last eight years is going to become more commonplace. And what we find is that we're suddenly exporting seven times more energy than we're using. So Narika Village shows that all the homes are going to be generators. So if people listening to this are interested in microgrids, is it something that people are actually doing in their communities? Is it something that someone could say, I'd like to start an initiative to have a microgrid where I am? Or is it only something that developments and, and big industry can do right now? So yeah, people are putting their hand up saying we want to do a microgrid. So you've got obviously developments such as this where you it's, it's greenfield and you're building the homes and you can do that. You've got places like Yakandanda in, in Victoria where they're a village and they want to make their, their village a microgrid. So they put their hand up and then they got utility and other people to help to come in and transform their village into a microgrid. So you can do that. And then other people are saying, well, we want to have a battery in our community and have the benefits. I can't put a battery in my home or I'm renting. How do I access solar and batteries? So they're saying, okay, well, you can have a solar garden. So there's a local solar generation which can be shared between a, a, a strata units or a, a central battery which then reduces their their cost of energy. They pay less money because of, of the battery at different times and they, their solar can charge the batteries. And so they have ownership and they can buy into a community battery that is, is nearby in their suburb. If someone's interested in actually starting this, it sounds like if you live in an apartment complex or if you live in, in some other defined group of people, you could pretty easily say, let's start this initiative. What if you live in a regular suburb and you're thinking, what can I do to get the, the blocks nearby involved? Is this something that you can do from a grassroots perspective or do you need to contact your local government or you have to talk to you know the power company? How, how do you actually accomplish getting started with it? Yeah, so I think finding like-minded people, so finding the kernel of people in your community that want to do something. They may be people that have joined a greens group or planting trees or there's a variety of different things or through the school. School may want to do some, some solar on your school with your kids. So there's various different ways that people will interact and can grow that community interaction. And so there's, there's streets sort of initiatives and things and, and there's typically not-for-profit organizations that you can Google and say, what's in my area? Who can I go and talk to about sustainability? And they'll have programs where you could rent an electric bike sale. There's, there's lots of those sort of um, sharing groups that are around and they've all sprung up. I guess step one is you can go and see those local groups and get a bit of a feel as to have we got many people wanting to do something? What do they want to do and what, what's the focus? Is it some, some solar? Is it battery? What's the thing that really brings people together in that community? Then you can reach out to people like, so ARENA is a federal department which sort of part funds, grants, and provides support and knowledge sharing. So you can go onto the ARENA website, A-R-E-N-A, to Google that. Then you can find out about knowledge sharing of Narara Eco Village and the knowledge sharing that we've done here. 
and other places that have done different things and from really big batteries to really small. And you can start then researching and, and, and linking into sort of who they can recommend you to talk to. And so it's a, then, a, I guess, a, a reaching out process to, to really engage. And come, and come and see the Narayika village. Come and have a look. Come and see for yourself what, what is here and what the community has done. Because uh, there's open days and there's other things, but go and see someone that's local to you and, and come and see what, what's a battery and what, what's, what do you mean by a smart grid and, and just get involved because it's fun and you can make a difference. And I guess on that point, it's worth describing what our setup here actually is like. You know, it doesn't take up a lot of space. We have one shipping container sized battery and we have a couple of transformers next to it. And that's effectively our smart grid. Otherwise, it's basically what a normal suburb would have under the ground and the cables. So when you think about community battery, they don't have to be these giant batteries that they talk about in the news for load balancing the entire grid. It, it can be small or medium sized, right? Yeah. So everyone has a little green box in their suburb, which is a, which is a transformer. It, it takes the electricity and you can put a little battery beside that. And, and, and that's what a lot of these community batteries have been. And so we, get this, we just have one of those. We use the normal cables that everyone uses in their streets. You've connected the homes and then you just have something that provides the power. So a battery is a very simple device that you can now put in your car, in your lawnmower, in, your, <laughs> in any electronic devices. They're everywhere. And so it's a amazingly versatile technology to use. <laughs> so where is this going? How many microgrids are there in Australia already? Are they catching on around the world? Where do you see this going in the next 10 years or so? There's not many microgrids at the moment. That's the simple answer. So the Rarikovi started as a smart grid. And now with the addition of the, the battery and ability to turn off the grid and run of its own microgrid independent of the grid, it's now a microgrid. So there aren't many microgrids. So I guess in, in the 10 years, 2032, I guess there's going to be a big shift in terms of electric vehicles will be, uh, be very prevalent. So a lot of people have electric vehicles. Everyone will have solar. Batteries will be in all the suburbs. And it, it's a question of how much will be in the home, how much will be centralized, and how much will be big batteries. Cyro did a wonderful report going, well, there's sort of four different ways it could be. We could have a very prosumer, everyone do it locally. And so that's a very microgrid approach. So if everyone put their hands up and says, look, we want to have it in our suburb and we want to make sure that it, we're resilient with storms and, and bushfires. So will it be 100% there? No, I don't think so. Or will it be centralized? No one does anything in the home. We'll just have some solar panels and no one will have batteries. I don't think that's a realistic together. So it's going to be a mix. And I think there's going to be a lot of areas where microgrids take off and they'll have community batteries in areas. And then a lot of areas where there, there won't be any, the utilities may be doing it themselves. And so there'll just be um, a more standardized individual home approach. And that mixture is going to then depend on the communities and, and as the demographics change and as people vote. <laughs> so um, I don't know how far it's going to go. I think microgrids are a really important side and the issue is there's not enough information out there so people aren't choosing them as much as they could and they should because they don't realize they can do it this all sounds quite good and it sounds like something that that really makes sense for the future are there downsides to this 
microgrid, smart grid setup? Yeah, well, the downside is we've got too much power. We've got what do we do with this power? And we're, we're not getting paid a proper amount for the for the, for the power. So that we're not getting returns from the battery. So we need to save up for another battery. So we're not getting the savings. So what do we do with this power? And one of the great things is we now have electric vehicles. So we could actually take all this excess power and charge everyone's vehicle in the village. It's a good problem to have. So now everyone can electrify their, their, their cars. Um, obviously use as much public transport and avoid having cars, but the ones that need cars and have cars and have pool cars, we can now charge them off the solar. And that, I think, it should be the next battery that Murray Village does, is, is pulling all the, the car batteries. Because the Tesla I have out the front is 80 kilowatt hour batteries, so that's eight houses in one car. The, the, the community battery is about 450 kilowatts, so it's only like eight cars. <laughs> With 50 homes or 100 homes, if everyone has one car, that is uh, 100 cars. And each of those cars could have, say, 50 kilowatt batteries. So suddenly you've got 50 times 100. So that is 5,000. So that's 10 times the size of the battery. If everyone has one car, electric car, the community battery could be spread around cars and everyone could use the cars to drive and have transport as well. Well, I know that's a step that many villagers here at the Eco Village are doing, getting electric vehicles and being quite interested in vehicles that can then plug in and, and actually feed power in both directions. But maybe that's for another podcast. Thank you very much for being on the show. I really appreciate you being up here from Canberra to celebrate the launch of our new microgrid, upgraded from a smart grid thanks to the battery. And thanks for being on to talk about all of this stuff with me. Thank you very much Thank you for your time. And uh, yeah, really nice to be here and be part of such an amazing community and uh, thank you. And thanks to all of our listeners for listening in. For more information about smart grids, microgrids, community batteries, or Tony Roxborough, visit our Eco Living Podcast website at ecolivingpodcast.com. We'll put some links there for you. If you want to learn more about Narara Eco Village and Eco Village Living, visit nararaecovillage.com. That's N A R A R A ecovillage.com. And finally, if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to our feed to get all of our episodes for free. And feel free to send the link or the audio file to anyone who you think might enjoy it or learn something from it, hopefully both. We'll have all the links you need to subscribe to or share the show on the website. Until next time, I'm Adam Weiss.